Good morning, White Oak, and welcome. It's so good to be here today, whether you're joining us online or obviously here in person. It is uh, great to be with you. If you're a guest with us today, I want to just uh, thank you for joining us. You know, it's crazy how fast February goes. We're already in our third week of this sermon series called Why I Don't Read My Bible. In this series, we've been talking about some of the excuses or the reasons maybe that people give for not reading their Bible. In week one, we addressed the topic of trust. Some people do not find the Bible reliable, and because of that, they choose to avoid it. They don't read it because they don't trust it. But I believe that we did a pretty good job of explaining that the Bible can be trusted, that it is uh, the inspired word of God, and, uh, and it is a, a tool that you can use to guide your life. Last week, we talked about the idea that the Bible challenges us. And while, yes, the Bible does challenge us, that's not a reason for us to run and hide from it or to avoid it, but we ought to lean into that looking for how it is challenging us to change our life, how it's challenging us to live differently and to figure out exactly what that's going to mean for each and every one of us. So this week, we've got another popular reason why people choose not to read their Bible. The reason is, is the Bible is confusing, Katie will ask me all the time, she'll be like, hey, do you want to watch a show? And, and just for whatever reason lately, there hasn't been very many things on TV that I can get really interested in. And so I'll be like, no, I'm fine. You can watch whatever you want. And so she'll begin watching an episode of FBI. And I'll just be on the couch in the same room, kind of just on my phone. About 20 minutes will go by and something will happen on the screen that will get my attention. And so then I'm like watching for a few minutes and I'll start to ask her questions like, hey, who is that? Or um, what did they, what, what, what did they do? Or, um, you know, why is he doing that? Uh, and she'll get super frustrated and she'll be like, I, I thought you weren't watching. And I was like, well, I wasn't, but, you know, I just want to know what's going on. Have you ever come in midway to anything and just found yourself confused by what was going on? You, you need some context. You need somebody to, to help you out a little bit. It happens all the time, right? And, and I think that when it comes to reading the Bible, I don't know what method you use for reading the Bible, but for a lot of people, we don't really have a plan. We're kind of going at it haphazardly, we're, we're, we're going into it a little bit aimlessly. Maybe you do just the flip and find and you just find yourself reading something and you're halfway in, you don't know who all the characters are, you don't have all the setup and you wonder, why is this so confusing? But the Bible can be confusing. We're not, gonna, we're not going to deny that. You know, some of the things that people will say is that, well, it all happened so long ago. Is it, is it even still relevant? You know, I'm reading here and God seems to be really mean here. I'm not really sure what's going on. Uh, why did God allow this to happen here, but he didn't allow it to happen there? That doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes people will read and they're just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not understanding. I'm really having a hard time figuring out what this has to do with me. 
Sometimes you just open up and you're reading and, and you're just scratching your head and you're just asking yourself, what's that even mean? You know, in our Bible, when we fan through and we just find a page and we start wherever we want, it's easy to get frustrated. We can't figure out what's going on. And the Bible can be confusing enough on its own, right? We, we need to take practical steps to try to understand and know there, there is some work that's going to take place. If you want to read your Bible, and that's really what this series is all about, we want people in the Word of God reading the Word of God. But if you're going to do it, and have any success in it, it's going to take a little bit of planning. It's going to take a little bit of work on your part. It takes time invested in understanding God's word. And that leads us to our big idea today. Today, our big idea is this. Taking time to understand God's love for us leads to full life. Remember, when we talk about full life, we're talking about that John 10, 10 passage that Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And we want people to find that full life in Jesus, knowing their identity in him and figuring out how God has gifted them and figuring out exactly what it is that God has put them on this planet to do. We want people to experience that full life. Well, understanding God's love for us as captured in his book is going to help us with that. So yeah, there's parts of the Bible that are confusing. A lot of that confusion comes from not understanding what type of book we're reading or, or what exactly that we're into. You see, the Bible is not a book at all, right? It's a collection of 66 books written over a span of 1,500 years. It includes books of history and books of law and books of poetry and books of prophecy, letters written to churches and letters written to people. Understanding the differences of all of that is going to be a big part of understanding the Bible. Part of the problem is that we have a lack of understanding, and this is all of us. I, mean, I went to Bible college, and I put myself right in there in that. It is that all of us have a problem understanding the big story that's being told throughout Scripture, that from beginning to end is a story of God's love for each and every one of us. It's a story of the redemption of, of mankind and how God loved us so much that he was willing to send his son for us. And when we view scripture from the perspective that is, it is one huge love story about how God loves us, we better understand what it is that God's trying to accomplish through his word. And so when it comes to reading your Bible and understanding it, we want to help with this. Listen, if you've ever struggled reading your Bible or understanding how to approach this book or just wanted some help on figuring out what exactly it is that you're trying to accomplish while reading it, that is why we have created these two workshops called How to Read Your Bible. They're happening on February 21st here at Coleraine and February 23rd at Ross. You can register on our website and uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the things that really we're talking about in this sermon. That is, how do I practically pick this book up and begin to read it and understand it and apply it to my life? See, in, 
in January, we did this series called Vantage Point where we talked about the idea that you can trust God, that God is in control, that he is sovereign. And here in February, we're doing this series on reasons and excuses that people don't read their Bible because we want you to be able to trust that God's word is perfect and that it's a guide for your life. And we want you reading your Bible. And so what we're going to be doing is we're offering these workshops to help you with that. But also in the month of March, we're going to begin a new series called The Gospel of Luke, where we're going to take everything that we've learned so far this year and put it into practice by together reading through the Gospel of Luke and putting into practice the things that we learned in this series and the things that we learned in the January series, trusting God, learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. And so one of the tools that we're going to provide also are these journals. And you can pick these up. We're selling these out in the lobby. We're not making any money off these. This is just more of a convenience thing. What this is, is it is the book of Luke put into just a little notebook. And, uh, And it has some places next to every time it has scripture. It's got some places for you to write. And so what you can do with this is you can begin to uh, read through. We've got a reading plan during the uh, seven-week series where you can read through Luke with us. And you can start to mark this up and you can write things down because we want people engaged in reading the Word of God. And so our entire church for seven weeks reading through the book of Luke together, learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. And so that's really what what this entire series, what the January series, what they're really all about is this idea that we want to trust God and we want to trust his word and we want to dig into it. We want to dive in and we want to figure out how we can start to apply this to our life. And so today, as we talk about this idea of the Bible being confusing and, and why that's really not a reason not to pick it up, what we have to do is we have to understand that it's going to take a little bit of work. It's going to take a little bit of effort. I I need to fully understand what it is that I'm getting myself into. If you find the Bible confusing, if you've ever found God confusing, if you find Jesus confusing, I want you to know that you're not alone. The people who were in the Bible specifically the 12 guys that followed Jesus around for three years while he was here on earth, they were right next to him and they were constantly confused. The Bible records over and over again that Jesus would say something and then they would ask a question and Jesus would say, are you not listening to me? Do you not understand what I'm saying? And so confusion, it's kind of part of it. Uh, But see, they, they were right there. They were super close to it, and they couldn't see the forest for the trees, if you will. But what they didn't have, and what we do, is we have the complete story. We get to read the whole thing. We we know how the end is, and we know how it all begins. And so they didn't have that perspective, and we do. Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Messiah means promised king, specifically a promised king from the line of David who would save God's people. And now this prophecy about the coming Messiah fills the Old Testament of your Bible. That is the part before Jesus was born, Genesis through Malachi. 
There's all of these promises and all of this history about this coming Messiah. And so for hundreds and hundreds of years, there was speculation about what this Messiah would be like and what he would do and what exactly it meant to save God's people and how he would rule like David. And so there was all these ideas that people had about exactly who the Messiah would be. And religious leaders thought they knew, but they had this limited perspective. So they didn't know everything and they couldn't see exactly how Jesus measured up to what they had in their mind. And so when Jesus comes as the Messiah, there's a couple things happening. Number one, people don't believe that he's the Messiah. All right, he he doesn't fit the bill. He doesn't measure up to what they thought this coming king was gonna be. He he doesn't, uh, he's not the the prototypical king that they thought that they were gonna be receiving. So that's one thing. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That For a lot of people, I mean, they crucified him, if that helps you understand. They didn't think that he was it. And number two is that people had the wrong idea about what the Messiah came for. And so as Jesus begins his ministry, he's one of the very first sermons that we find recorded is in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus comes in and just in this very first message, he tries to set the record straight. He wants to tell people exactly who the Messiah is and why he came and what he is here for. And so he begins to teach. And so if you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, where we're going to find Jesus preaching and teaching to his people. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to pick up with verse 17. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. See, there was confusion even with the people in Jesus' time about who the Messiah was, who Jesus was. And so Jesus is coming to try to set the record straight. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but he says, I've come to fulfill them. See, Jesus is addressing this false idea about how they thought that he was coming to do away with everything that had come before him. And Jesus says, no, I'm not coming to destroy those things or cast those things aside. He goes, I'm actually the fulfillment of those things. Maybe you've thought that before. You know, while we're a New Testament church and nothing that happens in the Old Testament really matters anymore. Not so fast. While it is true that we are not bound by the law of the Old Testament, there's great value in understanding the story and the rich history that happens in the Old Testament and what God's purpose was, what his priorities were, why he established these laws to begin with. See, Jesus says, I didn't come to do away with these things, but I came to fulfill these things. Remember, this is one big story of God's love for us being told from beginning to end. God doesn't change. He's the same person in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. Verse 18, we pick up. He says, for truly I tell you until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen 
will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus is saying here that all the Old Testament has value until everything is accomplished in me, he says. Even more, he says that he didn't come to do away with all this stuff. He actually came to fulfill it. He says, not the smallest mark of a pen will disappear. Jesus has come to fulfill what the law tried to accomplish. And again, Jesus is trying to clear up confusion because confusion exists all over the place. Let's pick up with verse 19. It says, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Here Jesus continues to talk about his fulfillment of the law, uh, but he's also making another point. He's calling out these Pharisees, these religious leaders, these teachers of the law. He says that unless your righteousness goes beyond theirs, you have no part of the kingdom of heaven. Now, this would have sounded crazy to the people that were hearing this because in their minds, they put these Pharisees at the very top. These guys were the very best at publicly adhering to the law. Most people revered them and in society, they were looked up to for their perfection. But what Jesus knew what not all the people could grasp was that while they understood the letter of the law, that they missed out on the heart of the law. They missed out on why God had put it in place to begin with. And so while they kept every little minutia of it, they missed out on the motivation for it. And so it was all on the outside. What Jesus knew and what some of the people around there couldn't know was that it was all fake. And so Jesus is calling them out. And so again, to the listener, it would have seemed impossible for their righteousness to surpass that of the Pharisees, these seemingly perfect law keepers. So yeah, all of this can be confusing. People were confused about who Jesus is. And Jesus and his explanation about who he is, it seems like he's talking in riddles. He seems like that he's, maybe you're more confused now than when you walked in. And so there is some truth to the fact that if not handled appropriately, the Bible can be confusing. But don't let that stop you, okay? I, I wanna give you some, uh, some help. When the Bible seems confusing, I want you to start here. First thing, when the Bible seems confusing, don't stop reading your Bible. One of the first things that we do when things get hard, when things get tricky, when things get confusing, a lot of us, we give up. We give up reading the Bible or we give up going to church because we're saying, hey, there's no point in this. I can't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. It's not relevant to my life. I want you to know that it is. 
And although that we're always going to have unanswered questions, I want you to remember that this is one big story from beginning to end that's telling you about how much God loves you. And so even though there's moments where our faith can be shaken, we can decide that we're going to stay. We're going to continue to read. We're going to continue to seek out what God's truth is for our lives. You know, it's easy to doubt that the Bible is trustworthy when you have questions about what's written in it, but the Bible claims to be the word of God. It claims to be entirely true, and it claims to be sufficient for us, and these claims are either lies or they're true. And I choose to believe that they're true because time and time again, it's proven itself to me. And though the Bible is written by many different authors over different parts of the world, over different time periods, it talks about the same God and the same gospel message. It is incredibly cohesive if you read it from beginning to end. And historians will agree on the existence of Jesus on, and on the existence of his crucifixion. And if historians, people outside of the church, can agree on that reliability, then I can put my faith in God's word. You know, if you give up on the Bible and you start to look for the meaning of life outside of it, I'm afraid you're going to find yourself lost because the world's given up on God. And to go and look for meaning and truth about him outside of his word is going to be pretty fruitless. So the first is that we don't stop reading. The second thing is this, that we pray for understanding. James chapter 1 verse 5 talks about the fact that if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask God for it. And so a part of our daily reading, a part of our investigation into the Bible should always be accompanied with prayer. Asking the Holy Spirit to open our mind and to open our eyes to see what it is that God has written for us. Before he died, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come into us and to teach us all things and to remind his people of everything that he had taught them. We have that promise of the Holy Spirit as our counselor, and so we want to let the Spirit lead us as we sit down seeking wisdom from God when we approach his word. So we don't give up. We pray for understanding Number three, we go back to the basics. When you find yourself faced with confusing questions, you need a firm foundation to stand on. What rock are you standing on? What do you know to be true for sure? Maybe it's these simple things. God created the world and everything was perfect, recorded in Genesis 1. Man disobeyed God and sin came into the world in Genesis 3. God came to earth as a man, Jesus, to die for our sins, Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. He died and resurrected three days later, defeating sin and death. All four gospels record that. Those who believe in him will be forgiven of their sins and have eternal life, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, and John three sixteen. God wants us to live a holy and God-honoring life. 
Ecclesiastes 12, 13. He gives us the Holy Spirit and we are called to help live this out every single day. John chapter 14. What do you know to be true? Where's your trust lie? Again, it's why we've began this year with this series, Vantage Point, talking about the fact that God is sovereign, that he can be trusted, that he's all-powerful, that he's all-knowing, that he is in control. And we fast forward to February where we're trying to lay a foundation that not only can God be trusted, but his word can be trusted. And so when you're confused or you're seeking answers, you've got to go back to the basics. What is it that you know to be true? And so when we're feeling confused, we don't give up. We pray for wisdom. We go back to the basics. And number four, we ask for help. The Bible is the most read book in the world. So your doubts and questions are probably not new to anyone here on earth. Somebody else has struggled with the exact same questions that you have. And for generations, people have found answers to their questions And those people would be willing to share those experiences with you. You know, even as a pastor, there's people that I go to, people that I trust, people that I go to for counsel, people that when when this is challenging me, that I go to and ask for help. We've got elders, we've got staff members, we've got Bible scholars here who are able to help you. You know, earlier we talked about our workshops being held on Monday and Wednesday night. And I can't stress enough that if you're struggling with being confused by the Bible, that this workshop would be a huge help for you. Again, you can register for it on our website. But here's some of the topics we're going to be covering. What's the role, what's the goal, goal, what's the goal in reading the Bible in the first place? Another topic is better understanding your Bible. We're going to talk about translations in the Old versus the New Testament. We're going to talk about genres like the letters that are written from Paul or uh, the poems that are written in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about how to investigate while reading. Who's the author? Who's the audience? What's the purpose of the writing? We're going to get practical and we're going to talk about setting up a daily reading time and what that would look like. And we'll share great resources to help you get started and on the right track. I know that the Bible can seem confusing. The Matthew passage that we read might even seem confusing, but I want to challenge you to not give up. Remember our big idea, taking time to understand God's love for us will lead to full life. You know, in that Matthew passage where Jesus was talking about He didn't come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill it. And he says, none of this is going to pass away until everything's accomplished. The prophet Jeremiah records, this is God speaking through Jeremiah, what God's ultimate plan was. See, this this law is a part of an old covenant. And Jesus is a part of this new covenant, old promises versus new promises. And so in Jeremiah chapter 31, God tells his people that a new day is coming. I want you to hear these words. 
says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them, out of, took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. This is God's promise to us. He says, look, the old system that I established, it was, it was broken. It was never going to work. But we're pretty stubborn people. We believe that we can do things on our own. We say, give us a list of tasks and we're going to do them. And God said, okay. But it was never going to work. And God knew from the very beginning, from the very beginning of this book, God knew that the only salvation that was going to come for people was going to come through his son, Jesus. Now, I'm not here to try to simplify the Bible. The Bible is complex. But it is also very, very simple. God loves you so much. And he knew that we would never be able to do all of this on our own. He knew that we are broken and flawed and he loved us too much to leave us where we were at. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And so when things seem confusing and when things seem like that they're overwhelming, I want you to rest on this one truth. God loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Are there confusing parts in here? Absolutely. And there are things that we can do to better understand what God is saying to them. But there is this simple truth that's captured in the love that God has for each and every one of you. Last week, we experienced baptisms here at both of our campuses. And man, it was just a celebration that we had. And if you've never chosen to give your life to Jesus, if you wanna find out more about what following Jesus is all about, I would love to talk to you more about that. You can reach out to me. My email address is up on the, up on the screen, ksmith at thewcc.com. Love to talk to you about what a relationship with Jesus looks like. God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. That is good news. And that is what this book or collection of books is all about. The story of God's love for each and every one of us. Remember, it's not gonna be easy, but if we take time to understand God's love for us, it's going to lead to full life. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word that speaks truth into our life, God, that shares the story of your love for us, God. And I am so thankful for your son, Jesus. 
that died on the cross for our sins so that we might have eternal life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.